foreign minterference in a dog election. This week, we're covering the biggest news item of this year, the off-leash election. And some real news, council approved a new innovation entity. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 85, and whew, there is an exciting week ahead. Last Friday, I did something, and my life has been a whirlwind since. We'll get to that, but we have to get to the rapid fire first. For once, military supportive conservatives are not disappointed in Trudeau for a defunded army and navy. The department store, not the defense organization, was a pillar of White Avenue retail since the 1950s when it opened. The family-owned business announced it was closing all of its five stores in Western Canada after operating for over 100 years. The closure represents the latest in a string of closures related to COVID-19, with many taking to social media to blame Trudeau for his handling... Oh, I guess the story is not so different after all. Alcohol sales with takeout and delivery orders will continue to be permitted once COVID restrictions ease, AGLC said this week. The regulation change, which permitted restaurants to liquidate their stock at nearly double the price the drinks would cost elsewhere, is unlikely to be reversed by the UCP, who historically equate fun with alcohol and restrictions with war on. Many Edmonton restaurants were grateful for the ability to include alcohol with takeout orders, which helped keep them afloat in troubling times and are excited for the gravy train to keep on going. Said one Albertan restaurant after stuffing a six-pack into a paper delivery bag and putting a $300 receipt on the front, quote, If we learned anything from our deeply instilled culture of tipping, patrons will endlessly subsidize poor business models with unlimited cash, and all you have to do is let them. The Canadian Forces Snowbirds will fly over Alberta this week for a project called Operation Inspiration in an effort to solve basically all of the COVID-19 crisis by flying a few planes. Well known for doing aerial tricks, the Snowbirds will not be doing any aerial tricks in an effort to conserve fuel, but they will be flying in the air, ostensibly because this is a solution to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Snowbirds have different formations that they will fly in over the festival-starved population, inviting watchers to imagine a much more exciting or helpful show. The Snowbirds have also prepared a special formation when flying over retirement homes, during which, if you squint just right, the exhaust trails spell out, Neener, neener, you snowbirds can't go to Florida. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And this episode is brought to you by Northwest Fest, Canada's longest-running nonfiction film festival. And it can't happen in a movie theater this year, but the show, as it's wont to do, must go on, and it will. From May 8th to the 17th, Alberta residents can stream a selection of outstanding documentary films to their homes through Northwest Fest. If I'm looking at my calendar right, it's yep. just about over. It's almost so over. Yep. Get on that. Tickets are available now for all the films showing, including Mr. Toilet, The World's Number Two Man, a film about the man tasked with equipping India with public bathroom. All films are geolocked for viewing in Alberta only. So for once, people have to load up their <laughs> VPNs and proxies to exist here. Um Buy your tickets today at northwestfest.ca. And remember, the festival ends May 17th, so don't delay. That's northwestfest.ca. Well, um, it's been a week. Yeah, so council this week renewed the state of local emergency for the eighth time. Okay, so I'm like, do we care about that? Well, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. All right, it, oh, okay. It's been, what, nine weeks now? 
and mm-hmm. things have gotten a little silly. <laughs> That's what it seems like. It, people it are going a bit crazy. Well, I don't know if crazy is the right. Maybe it's just the perfect amount of sane. Okay, fair enough. So you did something on Friday. What did you do? Well, I saw on Reddit that there was in the off-leash park by my house, a bulletin board with dogs running for Mill Creek off-leash president. And I knew in a moment of divine clarity what I had to do. So I (laughs) biked to Staples and I printed off a picture of my cat with the quote, dogs suck on it. And I posted it right on that bulletin board. And lo and behold, Addie quickly vaulted into one of the front runners of the Mill Creek off-leash election. And a little media celebrity this last week. You've done a bunch of interviews. Yeah, he's done interviews with, uh, well, he's only done an interview directly with CTV, but he's done sort of proxy interviews with all the other uh, stations that have covered this election, of which every major news organization (laughs) has run a segment on this dog election. Uh, So I have to first say, really, Troy, another election? Okay, look, that that joke is tired. <laughs> Every person has made that joke. I hesitate to say this because the results are revealed tomorrow morning, but I entered this election knowing that this is an election that I can win. Knock on wood. It was a fun thing. I think I don't really care about winning this election because the fun is entering a cat into what's ostensibly a dog election with the platform dogs suck. Yeah, that's that's enough of a joke for me. And and it turns out Addie wasn't the only cat, right? You had a, a copycat. Uh, well, not just a copycat of my idea of entering a cat, but a copycat in that it wasn't real. Uh, ah. Coco, the cat. If you reverse image search that cat, you'll find it's a famous internet cat a la like Grumpy Cat. Uh, Grumpy Cat, of course, rest in peace. It was a different cat that is famous on the internet that was just repatriated for an off-leash poster. I don't consider that real competition. Uh, I will say, though, there is another cat running. Greta and Moses are running as a dual ticket, a dog and a cat. So when I first came across this, you know, it didn't actually seem like it was fake to me. I'm like, well, this seems plausible. There's probably like an off-leash park and maybe maybe there's a president of the park to like help look after it and make sure that, you know, just like community gardens to tend to have a leader. Um, and then I realized, okay, this is a bit for fun. But everybody's kind of taking this pretty seriously. Like there's platforms and you're talking about tickets and you know, all the things that you would typically see in an election. I can't see any reason that this is any less important than any other election we have in the province of Alberta or the country of Canada. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bold statement, I guess. But uh, well, what are the similarities between this election and, you know, provincial or or federal elections we might see? That's been the funniest part is all the parallels and allegories this election has to real life politics. CTV in the segment that I did with them didn't air this quote, but my cat has never been in the off-leash park because he is a cat. You don't bring (laughs) your cat to the off-leash park, much less off-leash, but he's never been in the off-leash park. And I was asked by the reporter, well, how are you running in an off-leash election if you've never been there? I said, well, you know, if you look at Tim Upple, the uh, member for Edmonton Mill Woods, he lives in Ottawa. If he can be the member for Mill Woods and not live in Alberta, my cat can be president without having ever visited the constituency. Um, there's other parallels. Uh, Addy, of course, in his endless desire for attention, did an AMA on Reddit as part of his 
campaign strategy. Um, and the most upvoted comment uh, he had was in response to the question, how do you respond to the rumors that you aren't an actual off-leasher? To which Addy's response was, who is spreading that rumor? Did you see that in a Facebook post? Please send it so I can go yell at the author in the driveway in front of their family, as is the accepted practice of Albertan politicians. <laughs> okay, similarities there are, indeed. So joining us quickly to talk about probably the most important election to happen in Edmonton this year or in the next decade or so, we have Ellie Knight, the chief election officer of the Mill Creek Off-Leash presidential race, and Devin Peterson, Lenart's campaign manager, who was, in fact, the first dog in the race. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks, Trey. I think just take us back to how did this whole thing get started? Well, it started when I put up the poster for Leonard, um, which came out of me being stressed out at home all the time doing schoolwork. Uh, I just needed something to do that was quick, fun, um, and would probably make people laugh, really. Well, I think he succeeded in that. What was the inspiration for a poster? Did you... Did you read about somebody else doing this somewhere else or, or had you had the idea already? Uh, I think calling my dog President Pups once or twice, um, because it, you know, <laughs> rolls up the tongue well. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, the absurdity of making him a campaign poster. And at the time, there was you know, no campaign, no other dogs in the race. Um, I thought it would just be, you know, a good laugh for some people. And when did you put up that first poster? How long uh, I actually checked on that. That would have been April 11th or April 12th. I need to talk about this poster a little bit because people have their own internal mythologies of the history of this campaign. And none of them start with just a dog unabashedly going on a smear campaign against Coco, who <laughs> seemingly was invented out of nowhere. What's the story there? Uh, you know, honestly, that is the truth. There, there was no Coco, and when I put this up, I thought nobody would respond to it. And I kind of pictured, well, when you have a campaign, what do you need? You need talking points, you need a good picture, you need a slogan, let's go Leonard, and you need somebody to run against. And so I completely made this dog up just to smear them. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant indeed. This was just a poster, but it grew quite a bit and it grew into a legitimate election. And I think that's where you come in, Ellie. We're not sure who was second and third. We think maybe Mateo was the first to respond to uh, Leonard's campaign to provide some some real opposition. Um, and, and then Fig, we think, was next. And then um, my husband and my kids were walking in the ravine, walking our dog and they saw these three posters and obviously wanted to submit our dog because they think she's a good dog, maybe best dog. And then we got really carried away with it and we made a campaign video and then they got really excited and thought, well, wait a minute, what if there isn't actually an election? Like there's all these great candidates. We should actually see if there's going to be a vote. Um, so we left a little note at the kiosk on the bulletin board um, to the other campaign managers and signed at Team Salix, um, offering to host an election if if there weren't plans already. And, and Devin found our note and um, wrote back and said, this is, it, the whole thing is a joke. It's, you know, I had no idea this would happen. I think it'd be great if if you host an election. And, and so we did. And here we are. And so you became the chief election officer just 
you volunteered essentially. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and I just want to double check on something you said. So we're in the midst of a pandemic. People are at home and video messaging usage is through the roof, but you guys are communicating through paper notes on a board. Is that right? <laughs> How else are we supposed to find each other? <laughs> okay. I just had to make sure. Yeah. We, we moved to email pretty quickly, but. There have been a lot of allegories made over this campaign to real politics. And I think the most poignant one is foreign interference in elections. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there has been some voter fraud in the election. I personally have no idea what any of this is about. But go into that a little bit. What? Who's interfering in a dog park election? It's hard to say. I mean... We're not tracking any IP addresses or emails in the election. We've chosen to not record any personal data. Um, But we did leave and we initially left the Google form uh, where we're collecting the votes just open. So, you know, no email login required. You could just go to the URL, submit your vote. Um, And we asked folks to just do one vote per person because we wanted to have a fair election. Uh, And within about an hour of putting that up, voting rates went through the roof. And uh, it was pretty obvious that there was some fraudulent voting going on, definitely more than one vote per person. And that was, you know, admittedly, we were a little naive about the nature of the election. We didn't realize just how serious of a race this was. Um, <laughs> but there was some very obvious bot activity. We don't, you know, we haven't traced it. We don't know whether it was domestic, whether it was Russian, but it certainly was mostly attributed to two candidates. Well, one candidate and one candidate. Um, so that would be Addy, whom I believe you know personally, Troy. Uh, he is the most qualified for the position. You're right. <laughs> and uh, and Tuna. And it did look like Addy... Uh, had a bot voting for her, um, or her or him, excuse him, me. him, him, actually. Oh my goodness. Excuse me. Um, so there we would see, you know, a chunk of 24 votes and then a 30 second break and then a chunk of 24 votes and then a 30 second break. So it was a very consistent pattern to the, uh, to the fraud. I have to say, I'm very disappointed in your coding skills here, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so, so, Ellie, I just I got to ask the election. We're recording this on May fourteenth, Thursday. So the election closes, or the the votes close tonight. Are you concerned then about the integrity of the result? I can say that I think folks will probably be surprised tomorrow. Um, we have done some initial assessment of the results, um, and we're fairly confident that that the results are authentic. Once we realized that, that folks were just spamming the Google form. We we did initiate um, email login and things slowed back to a rate of voting that, that we saw before we moved over to Google Forms. Um, and we're seeing the distribution of votes across the candidates is as would be expected. It's, you know, it's Poisson distributed. It The distribution is sort of staying even over time. Um, so I think I think we're pretty comfortable with it. We've looked at a couple different ways of removing the fraudulent votes. Uh, So we've looked at just like absolutely throwing out everything before we initiated email login. And then we've also looked at um, sort of using a rule set to pull votes out. And we actually find the same result no matter which way we cut it. So I think we're pretty comfortable with with where the election's going. So 
I'm going to ask for a preview of some data, knowing full well that we don't release this until noon tomorrow, at which case it's probably outdated. But as of the night before, what scope of election turnout are we looking at? How many votes have we gotten? What do the exit polls suggest? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we're looking at uh, somewhere over 3,000 authentic votes at this point. And then we've got, I think, about 2,000 that we've that we've cut out of the results. Oh, boy. Those interferers were not messing around. 24 votes every 30 seconds adds up fast. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Devin, win or lose, how are you feeling about what your poster has turned into? Uh, I think next time I do a doggy dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> Although this has been a lot of fun. Um, I'd like to see my dog dressed up in fake military military regalia. Let's talk about the future because that's elections are periodic things. And there's been a lot of talk about, well, what's happening next year. So what's happening next year? Well, we have established that this is a one year term. The presidency, you know, we think that given that most dogs and cats live somewhere between seven to 15, 20 years, you know, a year of service is already a substantial contribution. So we we think limiting to a one-year term is reasonable, which means we might need another election next year. It would be great if we could more formally involve all the communities around the ravine and make it it a a way of really formally unifying uh, all the neighborhoods and, and getting folks together. Because I think you know, Mill Creek Ravine is a very defining characteristic in this part of the city, and it, it really lends a flavor to all the adjacent neighborhoods. So using it as a way to uh, bring folks together would be really neat. In closing thoughts, was there any candidate that really shocked you? A come from behind candidate, a late announcement or an early announcement that really their performance was unexpected or shocking in some way? Or is it too early to reveal those details? Uh, I think uh, especially just Addy. I, I w- was sitting outside my house talking with people uh, passing by and something I like to call uh, front steer campaigning. Um, and they were laughing about the poster I had up and I asked them if they'd voted. And the lady said, yeah, of course I voted. I voted for the cat. It would be great if the cat was president. They think about it. Well, this is a Leonard house. You can keep going. Well, I uh, tell them I very much appreciate their support and I look forward to governing them for the upcoming year. <laughs> I think that's all we have. Thanks so much for both calling in and getting this together. It's been a lot of fun. I know there's accusations of election fraud and, you know, misusing the spirit of the dog park to have a cat campaign. But I've had an absolute blast this past week campaigning. And I I really thank you guys for that. Thanks for spicing it up, Troy. (laughs) And as an outsider with no... uh, cat or dog in this race i'll just say that it has brought a smile to my face every time i've read something about this so i think you guys have done a positive thing for uh, the communities where you live and and thank you for that thanks for having us you guys thank you all right well as i said this has been you know kind of fun as a as a bystander somebody watching from afar to to see i because i'm a nerd about this had to very quickly do some searching to see if there's any evidence that mock elections have any impact on actual participation in in real elections and unfortunately they don't so sorry to end on a downer (laughs) well cool thanks (laughs) thanks mac uh uh, but addy i wish you all the best in the election if he's listening right now 
And uh, we'll find out the results just in time or maybe just before this episode is. Yeah, we will find out the results an hour ago. The magic of the Internet. Um, So there was actual real news this week. Far be it from us to cover that. But this week, the new innovation entity and you had sent me a Slack message about, wow, there's so much to unpack here. So Council unveiled a new innovation entity. So can you go ahead and unpack some of the stuff that's there to unpack for us? Yeah, so I sent you that in response to the report, actually, which went uh, to council on Monday and, uh, of course, came out last week. We were expecting this for quite some time. This is the report back to council's December motion to figure out a governance model for a new innovation entity. So we've talked in the past on the show about splitting EEDC um, and, and having that be focused on tourism and convention centers and then having a new organization that is focused just on innovation. And so... Uh, the recommendation that went forward was to do just that, to basically t- to create a new nonprofit corporation. The city would be the sole shareholder. Um, it would have a board. It would have a CEO. In the future, it's envisioned, uh, envisaged that there would be a venture capital fund attached to this thing. And so, you know, the recommendation was basically allow us to go forward and do this. And that is what council unanimously voted to do unanimously uh was there any holdback it doesn't seem like there are a bunch of members on council that are well inclined to spend more money on city services and organizations right now there was a bit of pushback in the meeting tim cartmel uh probably most strongly you know, responded to uh, one of the recommendations in the report, which is to hire uh, a couple of three more people, essentially FTEs to the city to work on a place brand strategy. Um, So that was one of the things to unpack. We didn't just get a report about an innovation entity. There was a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in there as well. Um, But anyway, Cartmel basically said, we got to be really careful about sending the message we send when we when we say we're hiring people right now because lots of businesses are suffering people are getting laid off uh it doesn't look good if the city is going and doing that hiring so he was you know strongly kind of ask uh making that point and and asking some questions about that but for the most part it seemed like the decision had already kind of been made like i think there must have been some preparation for counselors on this because it was a pretty supportive conversation overall it was interesting. I also saw in the public media sphere talking about this, I feel like there was a bit of, I don't know if I'm misreading this, but competition for the spotlight. It seemed like both Mayor Iveson and Councillor Sarah Hamilton seemed to be almost taking credit for this. I don't know if you got any of the sense of that in the meeting. Of I don't think that came out in the meeting. I think the mayor did a great job of chairing the meeting and performing his role and didn't use it as an opportunity to to grandstand or to talk about his previous you know uh, policy directions around innovation so just other counselors then other counselors yeah i mean i think it's fair to say that sarah hamilton tried to take some credit for this and maybe she deserves some i mean she's been pretty vocal on this file ever since uh it came up with the innovation hub and uh and, and you know she was quick to write a blog post about this and attend a podcast about it attend a podcast yeah and she was the one who made the motion so she got to give the closing statement you know so she you know was in the spotlight a little bit more than than some of the other uh, candidates. It didn't surprise me, though, because as I say, she's kind of taken the lead on this file over the last uh, year and a half or so. So what's this new entity going to look like? How is it going to be different than what we've had before? 
Well, specifically, it's going to have eight directors on a board, and then it's going to have a CEO. So with council's approval, um, city administration is now going to recruit those eight directors. There was a little bit of discussion at council about whether or not they could be expats, so former Edmonton folks who are maybe living in Silicon Valley or whatever, and that is definitely something that uh, administration said they were open to. So first job is get these eight directors on board, and then their first job will be to go and recruit uh, a CEO. And that CEO and, and the board with their support will be responsible for basically standing up this whole organization. One of the things that's a little bit different than what we were expecting to happen is that there isn't currently a plan to merge any of the other entities into this new one. So it doesn't have a name yet, but the report called it Edmonton Innovates. Don't know why they didn't just call it Innovate Edmonton, because we know we're taking Innovate Edmonton out of EEDC. Um, and I should just pause right here and say that EEDC and Innovate Edmonton are customers of Taproot Edmonton. Um, so you should remember that from previous episodes, but that's my little editorial caveat. Um, they're going to take Startup Edmonton and the other programs, and that'll be part of this new entity. But Health City, um, the Edmonton Screen Industries Office, which had been talked about before, those things will still be kept separate for now, and they'll just be collaborating with this new entity. So we'll actually end up with another organization rather than perhaps fewer or any kind of consolidation um, as we as we were perhaps led to believe in some of the earlier reports. Wasn't the point of this exercise to reduce bureaucracy, allow sort of streamlining of our and clarity of roles in what each of our organizations do? Does this really accomplish that? That is the intent, and that is what the mayor and some of the folks on council did highlight, I guess, during the meeting, is that they feel like this does deliver on the need for role clarity. So now EEDC is just focused on tourism and convention centers. They don't have to worry about growing businesses or innovation. Edmonton Global is just focused on foreign direct investment and trade. This new entity is just focused on you know, innovation, whatever that means, because that could be pretty broad. Um, so council feels like they've delivered that role clarity. And I guess one of the interesting things that's come out of this is that the city itself has taken more of a directorial approach to this. They're kind of up at the the high level setting the direction and and in in theory at least giving guidance to each of these other organizations to go off and do things within that overarching direction. You might think that's how it should always have worked, but that isn't really how it worked. And uh, and, and council in in particular leaned on EEDC to do some of that work around economic development and business retention and things like that and and those are now part of the city's mandate. So we had talked uh, either last week or the week before about high-profile departures from EEDC, their layoffs of, well, essentially two people. And one of the things that I had mentioned was the idea of sort of corporate knowledge and stuff that lives inside people's head. And it doesn't sound like this new organization is being spun up from what exists at all. It's entirely new, grown from the ground up, new board, finds a new CEO. Is there any worry or was there any attempt to address, well, how are we going to transition this existing caseload, this existing set of systems that people rely on without disruption? Not really, no. Uh, Sarah Hamilton did mention, 
I think specifically that we're not starting from scratch or we don't have to start from scratch. And she mentioned that there's, you know, other work that's gone on. Um, EEDC put out a statement after the decision and, and basically said they were pleased to have the clarity of purpose and also that they would continue to steward Startup Edmonton until the transfer happens. Uh, and that's supposed to happen this fall. And that might be why there wasn't too much discussion about that. I mean, this is a really aggressive timeline for city administration. You know, in five months, they basically want to have this new organization up and running and, you know, Innovate Edmonton and those things transferred into this new organization. It's a pretty quick turnaround, especially given, you know, the pandemic and everything else that the city is having to deal with right now. So that might be a reason why there wasn't too much discussion uh, about transitioning. The other reason, I guess, is that a lot of public engagement went into this. There was tons and tons of meetings and, and feedback and surveys and things like that. Um, the Advisory Council on Startups, which did some engagement, said they fully support this. So, you know, it could be that there's enough people in the community that feel like their views were represented in this ultimate decision and they're just happy to get on with it now. This basically gives EDC role clarity that they're just convention centers and running events. What about Northlands? What does this mean for that organization? Well, this is really interesting because Tony Katarina brought this up in the meeting and, and he said, you know, there's a 99.9% chance that Northlands won't exist anymore. And I was like, wow, okay, that's on the record now. Uh, and, and he raised this idea of, you know, if, if we're focused on tourism and convention centers over at EDC, shouldn't they maybe do some of the other things that are related to that, like K-Days and Farm Fair? And council was reluctant to get into that conversation at that time, but there was the suggestion made there and, and then again in the, the news conference afterward that that's not a new idea and it is something that administration is looking at. Um, so it's very possible that Northlands could go away with those uh, major events that they currently look after uh, being done through EEDC instead, or, or I guess it'll be called Edmonton Tourism going forward. So all of that aside, I heard another thing that this innovation entity is going to do is put up the City of Champion signs again. Is that right? <laughs> well, that's my first thought. I, I don't know that the innovation entity is going to do that. But like I said, in this report was this whole thing about a place brand strategy. And the argument that administration basically made was that we need to have a comprehensive place brand strategy as part of this overall economic development strategy. And that's why they brought it forward at this time. And they've recommended spending 550000 to develop this, which is why they need to hire those people that are perhaps in theory currently at, at EEDC. And, you know, at the meeting, I had tweeted about this before and other people did. At the meeting, uh, Stephanie McCabe, who's the deputy city manager in charge of this file, you know, made it very clear that this is not about slogans, logos, or roadside welcome signs. Kind of responding to the criticism, I think, that, you know, we start talking about a place brand strategy and it always ends up with, are we the city of champions or not? And she said, no, it's not about those things. It's about letting the world know that Edmonton is open for business. I will let you kind of decide how legitimate a response you think that is. For the record, the answer to the question, are we the city of champions, is no. We are not. That is not our slogan. Uh, that is the slogan of several other cities across North America. It is not unique to Edmonton, nor is it novel. And you should stop talking about it. <laughs> Thankfully, they didn't get into it at council, but I'm sure that this is not the last we've heard of that conversation. Oh, I'm sure it'll take place in Mike Nichols' mayoral platform. What's next for the innovation entity? Where does it go from here? Well, as I said, the first thing is get those directors on board and the CEO. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that they essentially have increased 
the amount of funding for innovation. So currently, Innovate Edmonton gets about $3.8 million a year from the city. And what council approved on Monday is $5 million a year um, going forward for this bud- uh, for this entity. Uh, the mayor was you know, keen to point out in the uh, news conference afterward that this isn't new money. This is just a reallocation of money. They're taking money away from EEDC, giving it to the innovation entity. But still, it represents a slight increase in funding to innovation, which I think is a good signal for uh, the community. Of course, there'll be some losses of efficiency because there's now a whole separate organization that has to have its own email servers and all the rest of it, but still uh, a little bit of an increase. So if all goes according to plan, the directors will be recruited here very soon. They will start the search and the selection of a CEO. That'll all be in place by the fall. EEDC will become Edmonton Tourism, focused on its new mandate. And then over the next year, uh, this innovation entity will really ramp up. So speaking of next steps, it is Thursday, May 14th, as we record this. And that is an important date because stage one of reopening has occurred today. Um, We don't have much to say about this. This is a, everyone knows about this. Go to any news organization ever, and they will cover in detail the reopening. Uh, The Coles notes are, it's a slower relaunch for Calgary and Brooks because they have more COVID than us. But I want to talk about what's really important here because I have a bone to pick and I picked it before and I said I'd stop. And you know what? I'm not stopping because Calgary opened up tennis courts a week ago. Calgary? Really? Calgary. Calgary can't have a relaunch because they've got too much COVID, but tennis courts are open in Calgary because they said, well, it's pretty clear that this is a thing that we can do now. Tennis courts still banned in the city of Edmonton. I thought, well, just an oversight. The city of Edmonton is planning for this big reopening. No one's talking about this until just today. I saw a Facebook post from Andrew Knack where he said, quote, The same can be said about some of our outdoor courts. Unless players are bringing 100 tennis balls so they don't have to touch a ball that another player has touched, that again creates a disconnect between what was said yesterday in the governmental release and what is written on their site, end quote. And to that I say, the whole thing is riddled with inconsistencies. Give me my tennis courts back. (laughs) If the golfers can do it. Tennis courts need to open or everything else needs to close. I'm just looking for equity here. I'm looking out for the little guy who is not rich enough for golf, but rich enough to be playing something more advanced than badminton. (laughs) I think that's all that we have for this week. But like the economy reopening all around us, so too does the economy of this podcast need to reopen by reading you this ad. This episode is brought to you by Inventures Unbound, the ultimate platform for innovators, investors, and industry to share, inspire, and interconnect virtually. Even in these times of distancing, connection and innovation are more important than ever. Inventures Unbound is brought to you by Alberta Innovates to ensure that innovators have opportunities to connect with ideas, investors, and industries from within our borders and reaching far beyond. You can join the launch of a virtual community with live streamed events on June 3rd and June 4th. The opening keynote is renowned neuroscientist Tali Sherritt, who will speak on how innovators and investors can harness optimism and vastly improve their decision-making skills. Other topics due for a deep dive will include smarter cities, vibrant communities, healthier living, broader thinking, agriculture in the technology age, and innovation of work. And you won't want to miss the all-out live stream pitch battle event. 
If you have a pass to Adventures 2020, you already have access to all of Unbound's goodies. If you'd like to access uh, Unbound, you don't have a pass for Adventures, you can get a pass at adventurescanada.com. So that's all for this week. As of an hour ago, I am either the proud owner of a presidential cat or the loser of yet another election. But I will close with this very important tweet from our former premier and current leader of the opposition, who in response to Addy's call for equity and equality in dog park elections said, quote, everyone deserves to be represented. Thumbs up. Dog emoji, cat emoji, mouse emoji, bunny emoji, <laughs> rabbit emoji, frog emoji, bird emoji, ladybug emoji, smile face emoji. Hashtag equality, hashtag yeg. And yes, Premier Notley, I agree. Addy is the best candidate. Until such time as he governs the off-leash park, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Municipally.